Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about biceps tenodesis, we talk about the concept of an annual movement checkup, and we talk about capsular patterns. I remember the last one there. Capsular patterns. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm up here at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, Mass, Massachusetts. <laughs> Dave Tilly is here, everybody. Dave Tilly is here. Hello. Lenny Macrina, Dan Pope, Mike Scaduto, everybody at Champions here. Our student... Uh, um, <laughs> so many, so many big plays. Yeah, there's, so, there's so many good things we can say about our students right now. <laughs> Tons of students. I love when we have three asking one question each. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I like it too. Pretty good. But Divide and conquer. Let's see. We have Travis, two-step step from University of Kentucky. Matt and K. Kelly from Dalhousie University in Nova, in, in Nova Scotia. We have yet to come up with a good nickname for Matt. And Lexi Malone, because she, she needs no nickname, from Simmons College in Boston. Nailed it. Nailed it. Awesome. Take it away, two-step. Renee from Mississippi. Shoulder question. Do you recommend surgical repair for proximal tear of the long head of the bicep tendon, specifically in an active individual who does CrossFit? All right, so shoulder pain, it sounds like an MRI shows you have some tearing of the long head of your bicep. I'm going to assume that's what you meant when you said proximal bicep. Dan, in your experience, how well do these rehab? Somebody that actually probably has some tearing of that bicep, that long head. Well, I guess probably a tenodesis is what we're thinking about, right? I would, I would um, assume yeah. that's the surgery they're talking about with her. So yeah. two questions for you is, yeah. is how often do you see that how often do you see rehab working for that and then what do you think about a tenodesis and get back across it? Yeah, so I have um, a surgeon used to like a lot. His name's Armando Vidal up in uh, Colorado in Denver. And he actually did a bunch of research on tenodesis, and he sees a ton of CrossFit people. He was a guy referred to a lot. And uh, he tells his patients when they have a tear there or they, they feel like they need to, to snip it that the outcomes are pretty similar, which I think is evidence-based. I think the uh, tenodesis versus just cutting the tenotomy have pretty similar outcomes, and maybe Lenny can speak to that a little bit more. Um, but generally, I would see people with a tenodesis, and to be honest, it's a, it's a harder rehab because you're dealing with everything that goes with a surgery. You know, A lot of times people get like a rotator cuff repair plus a tenodesis. Um, I think the major thing that Vidal talked about is that it's cosmetic. So if you just cut that thing, it's not going to look the same. So he would just ask the athlete, like, do you, do you want to get this repaired? Do you not? The outcomes can be pretty similar in the long run. And he treats a lot of people that are like CrossFit Games athletes too. So I, I feel like it, it does span the spectrum of um, normal people up to high level. So Yeah, and I, I would say, I mean, it's one of those things where it's being performed because you have so much shoulder pain. Um, if you just get rid of that source of shoulder pain, it does tend to help with symptoms. The question is going to be long term. Yeah. You know, I, and I don't know if we know the answer yet, but you know, Dr. Andrews, Dr. James Andrews down in Pensacola, Florida. Now, I mean, he always says like it was there for a reason. You know, so I don't know why 
I don't know why we'd necessarily cut it out. I mean, he still prefers not to cut it out. So um, I don't know. I mean, has anybody had any experience with uh, Tenodisis not doing well getting back to CrossFit or anything? Like, I don't have or any even Olympic lifts. I mean, I have I have three. I had one in my previous facility that was uh, more Olympic weightlifting, and then I've had a gymnast, and I have a non-athletic, just kind of general person. And I think that it is it's tricky to get back to higher level stuff because of how long it takes and how impatient I think sometimes everybody is like to get back to that level of activity it's just like CrossFit is extremely shoulder intensive and I think that the grunt work you need the amount of patience you need the planning the programming the periodization the you know checking your ego at the door maybe you're not going to get back to heavier snatching or all that stuff for a long time if not at all and I think that's hard for people sometimes to do if they're a competitive athlete it's you kind of write your name on the dotted line that you accept some of that risk and I think that it really depends on what their goals are. That's a dodgy way to do it. I, I kind of wonder, I mean, like, what's the chances that magically the long head of your bicep is the only thing that's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah, exactly. So we just cut it and it fixes it. I, I mean, there's probably reasons why that happened. And some of those reasons could be, you know, periodization. Yeah. It could be programming. It could be coaching. It's not only just, you know, it could be just what you choose to do with yeah, yourself. Yeah, the biomechanical effects of the joint. Does, the, does yeah, it, stable. you know, depress the humeral head a little? Are you now going to get maybe a millimeter more of superior migration, which is not going to put your cuff at risk when you're in a snatch type position or something where you're overhead, heavy weights, and you don't have that dynamic stability? I, I don't know. I think we don't know enough about CrossFit yet to know yeah. the patterns of adaptations, why they have shoulder issues. We're, still, we're learning, but I don't yeah. think we know enough yet. Well, I mean, I wouldn't even say that's a CrossFit. I mean, it's just repetitive right. overhead activity. Yeah. We know in baseball they don't do well trying to get back to throwing a baseball. Any repetitive overhead activity that you add speed and range of motion and excessive load and volume. <laughs> I mean, you kind of just kind of yeah. summarize it, right? I mean, anytime you do that, obviously you're going to get pathology to your shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't I don't know if just cutting your biceps is the complete answer, but um, I don't know. I if it was my body, I would prefer to not do that, and I would take a really good hard look at what I'm doing to create that. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd rather live life with my biceps tendon than without. You know, but free the biceps. Free the biceps. So awesome, Matt Kelly. What do we got? Okay. Um, Eric from St. Louis says other medical professions such as dentists and physicians include annual checkups for their patients. What are your thoughts for the profession of physical therapy to begin including routine movement examinations in order to identify any potential faulty movement patterns that may lead to injury in the future? I think the biggest roadblock is the reimbursement by insurance companies, but if as a profession we can demonstrate the effectiveness of prophylactic care, it may be a large area of growth for our field. Yeah, I think we've talked about this on the podcast a little bit too, but the concept of annual checkups for movement, right? Like to try to enhance yourself here. And man, you you layered in a bunch of good questions, I think, within that a little bit. Uh, Dentists and doctors have done a good job, I think, because two reasons really. One is I think they've shown that being proactive has results to save money down the road, and that's an insurance company thing in terms of where they they reimburse it, but it'll help you health-wise and save some money down the road. I think that's why they've done it, but I also think it's marketing, right? I just think the American Dental Association marketed this better in the 70s or the 80s or whatever it is that they decided to make us go twice a year, you know what I mean? Like that's, to me, that was more marketing than anything else. So they've done a good job. So for PT, do, do we think we should use it? Yeah, and I mean, to an extent, we kind of do it all the time. But, you know, again, maybe it's the, it's the image of PT and insurance and stuff that's like really like, like bothering me here. I mean, insurance is something you do like, it's like a backup in case something bad goes wrong, right? If you think you, if you think insurance should necessarily cover that, then, you know, 
I don't know. I guess I'm. I guess I'm not mad that insurance doesn't cover that, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you, you get gas in your car, you get new tires. You're not using your car insurance for that. That's yeah, upkeep. You're, you're, yeah. you're, 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 you're maintenance. Yeah, it's upkeep for your body, so that way you feel better, you move better, you have happier life and stuff like that. Like, I, I think we as a profession need to do a better job at, at showing the value of that and, and saying that that is, you know, helpful. So anyway, sorry. No, I think that was well put. Yeah, we get a lot of that. We get a lot of our clients are people that feel good but just want to feel better, maybe. So they see a value. Yeah, I mean, so I, I would encourage you to do it. I would encourage you to start that, but it's it's it's, it's going to be a long road. Education, <laughs> education for the patient is the most important thing. I think, and I think we need to do that at a at a higher level. I think the APTA needs to do that more for physical therapists. So, call to action um, is we need to start we need to start doing that stuff. Let's let's talk about that at the next conference or whatever APTA conferences they do. But like, how how do we actually? This to me, this is marketing that it's it's worth your while to do that. There's a value to do that. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's I, I don't know. If you feel like poop, that's not living life. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly that. right. Yeah, um, <laughs> If you work in a specific niche, I think that's way easier because someone like me for CrossFit, we can optimize a lot of things about them. But I was just reading an article in BJSM is if you walk for, I think it's like 150 minutes per week, it extends your life by like three to five years. So we know that strength directly correlates mortality. If we're going to be the mortality experts, or excuse me, we're going to be the movement experts. <laughs> whoa, whoa, that stuff is dead. We have the death experts, the mortality experts. I mean, we have a tremendous opportunity to impact people's lives by changing their behavior and making them move a little bit more. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, flossing your teeth obviously is probably going to help you live a little bit longer too, I guess. But the same thing is that we're going to help people, and we're going to have a tremendous impact. And whether that's a doctor that does, or whether that's us. Um, this may be something the APTA has to sort out and fight for us in some ways. We have to fight for that as well. So. Yeah, totally agree. Lex, what do we got? All right, Robin from Zurich. Do you ever take capsular pattern into consideration when testing the joint? I hear from some people that this is outdated and not used anymore, and others use it all the time. Capsular pattern. So I, I'm, I'm going to indirectly answer this question. Let's, let's use the shoulder, for example. I'm going to indirectly ask, answer this question by asking, what is the capsular pattern of the shoulder? Which tells you that I don't follow it. ER abduction IR. ER abduction IR. So let's talk about Just that. Just study that. Let's, let, let, right. So I was going to say, they're still teaching you capsular pattern? In the review book, it was. It wasn't a big part of the curriculum. So they're saying if the capsule gets tight, you're going to lose ER first, most more than abduction, more than internal rotation. How many, <laughs> we so, don't care about flex. I would so say it's elevation. Yeah, it's so weird. Uh, yes, we'll, we'll call it elevation. Yeah. Uh, how many times do you see that? What do you think? You see that, Len? I don't know. Frozen shoulder. I ever seen that. Frozen shoulder is acute frozen shoulder, but there's a lot of stuff going. This on. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, so the shoulder is a good example because it's a ball and socket. It's like a circle. It's a little bit easier to, or it has less bony influence, so it's a little bit purer for this discussion, I guess. Right? Like one of the main concepts of shoulder stability is the circle concept. So meaning, if you have tightness anywhere in your capsule, it's gonna the whole circle gets tight, right? You know, so you're gonna have issues with that. But I don't know. If I, I don't. I I don't see ER first. I think we've tried to we try to simplify Ever. things just yeah. to simplify it in our heads, but I don't know if it's necessarily textbook if, for if everybody. a certain aspect of your capsule gets tight, maybe ER is there. So I mean, there's different types of, of stiff shoulders. There's a post-operative stiff shoulder. There's adhesive capsulitis. Let's just chunk it into those two right now. I mean, adhesive capsulitis. You're probably it, it, again, it could probably be anywhere, but it's probably losing the entire redundancy of the inferior capsule, like one whole like main kind of portion.
option in there. But a post-operatively tight capsule, I mean, if, if you have an anterior bank art and, and, and you tighten that up, then it's going to be what's specific to that type. And so, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, do you ever see external rotation number one? Well, I mean, when I was a new grad, I had a hard time differentiating between like, oh, what's a, what's a cuff tear versus someone who has potentially developing adhesive capsulitis. <clears throat> I think it is kind of useful just external rotation, overhead motion would be a little Im- limited. Uh, the other part is we, we saw a bunch of frozen shoulders and it was all different. Like some people were more limited in external rotation, some people a little more flexion. Um, but if I'm seeing someone who's really, really limited in external rotation, they have a painful shoulder in general and everything kind of hurts, all the special tests are positive, I would start to go down that pathway, you know, right. to say, hey, maybe with a doctor, cores on shot, more physical therapy, it looks like you have a frozen shoulder. Whereas someone else, I would be like, oh, it looks more like you have some cuff irritation, impingement. Let's just treat this more conservatively. I don't well, think you can get back to the doctor. You'll, you'll look at the capsule. you look to see if the capsule is tight. So, I mean, but, then so, I, but then I think, why do we care? That's a good question. Right. Too. Well, well, do, are we doing joint mobs to try to stretch out the capsule because we're probably not? Maybe it's neuromodulation of pain, but yeah, we want to assess the capsule. Maybe we can feel if the capsule's tight in a certain range. Maybe that'll help us, but I think it's just all about regaining the motion any way we can. So I don't know if we're going to, if you're trying to go down a road of, I know they have an external rotation deficit, they must have anterior capsule tightness. I need to mobile the anterior capsule. I don't know if it's that easy. Well, can you have capsular tightness and have a loss of IR only? Right. Of course, right? Like, yeah. I would imagine you could. Right. right? I mean, you could yeah. lose IR. It doesn't have to be ER more. So I think we're talk- we're getting a little, like, talking about, like, just capsules getting tight and stuff, which is fine. But, like, the capsular pattern concept, I- I'm pretty sure that's been disproven. I think even – I actually think there's a study. I should know this. I think this is in my shoulderseminar.com program. Uh, but, um, but there's a study that shows, like, half the people – lose ER first and half the people lose IR for you know like so I just think it's different so I, I think we're worrying too much about stuff like that I don't think we need to worry about that just assess and treat based on your assessments and don't worry about a pattern right good awesome thank you guys appreciate it another good group of questions you guys are the best head to micronal.com click on that podcast link and fill out that form to ask us some questions and when you get a second please if you're listening to this podcast go to iTunes and rate and review us that really helps us and uh, we'll see you guys next time thanks Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinald.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.